Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Welcome to day three of the FIRST conference in Dublin, Ireland. I'm your host, Martin. With me is Chris John Riley, and we are talking to Emma Jones, who is a senior consultant for CrowdStrike. And your talk yesterday was decoding the diversity discussion. And it was a very interesting talk for me because it didn't take the route I thought. And you really kind of tied it more to your experience as an incident responder and why diversity, in maybe not in the ways we would normally think of it, is very important for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was great to be able to talk about the topic. And um, it was slightly intentional to have the topic named as sort of decoding the diversity discussion because diversity is the term and the concept that we're probably most familiar with in, in this industry and in employment. It's the one that's been around the longest and often it is the term that people rightly or wrongly use to um, describe all sorts of efforts in this space when actually we know there's lots of different concepts, important concepts like inclusion, like equity, belonging, equality. Um, but for me, diversity for, for all of us in this community is the one we hear referenced the most. Um, and I wanted to recognize that so that people understood that was sort of, again, what we're used to hearing about, but equally make it relevant to the people who are in the audience because that's so important and actually it's about what we can do as individuals in this space as incident responders that supports the diversity effort and actually for me that's about everyday behaviors um, and actually being about inclusive of everybody um, so that was the angle i was taking on that right and i mean one of the things that you had made very clear is this is not necessarily about the actions at a certain point this is a the cumulative of your actions of how building in processes, building up trust, making it so that people can be diverse and different, but still know that their opinions are valued, that when you're in the middle of an incident response, just because you're t you think of things differently doesn't mean it's wrong or bad, and that we need to value that. Yeah, completely. We're, we're all different. We all have diversity, right? And essentially, we're humans, and we want to feel heard, seen, valued, listened to, and for me that's what was the most important thing to recognize, take it back to basics and just remind ourselves that we are people in these teams who have experiences and skill sets and perspectives which are equally important and that matter in this community and that we actually want to hear about with other people. Now, there were a, a number of lessons from the, from the talk and I found it very, very interesting. Uh, certainly that a lot of these things that we can do to try and, and you know, support better, support people better through, through our, our processes, you have to really think about them before they actually happen, right? I can imagine there's a panic, it's an incident, everyone's sitting around the desk, it's too late to be thinking about it at that point. You really have to make sure this is built into your processes, built into how you deal with things. So if someone is listening to this and they really want to figure out 
what is the first couple of steps I can make in this area? What what do you recommend I do? I think it's about applying what I think is quite a basic principle to everything that we do and definitely in advance and making it much more commonplace and a regular conscious consideration about how you include others and recognize others um, regardless you know of of skill set experience perspective want to hear what they have to say and I I try to to make it um, a sort of simple formula if you like and I say that we should start to assume less and ask more um, and for me, that's about just taking a moment to sense check and to think a little bit about how you're approaching a particular task or action or interaction or even writing a policy. And just ask yourself, am I making some assumptions here? And you may not know if maybe you're making that assumption, but just taking that moment to consider it will usually prompt you to ask more or to seek some clarity or get some extra input just to both sort of raise your own awareness and those um, the awareness of those who are around you too. So for me, that's sort of the how we can do it. We can always talk about what we should do and give specifics, which are great. Um, we talk about why we understand the benefit of making sure we are inclusive. Um, but often we struggle to try and think of a way to do it on such a regular basis. So for me, if, if you apply that principle of assume less, ask more, um, that can only start a great sort of journey in the space from my experience. And, and one of the things you've sort of touched on here and, and definitely touched on in your talk is making that room for the voices that wouldn't, that if you're an instant response, you're there because you're an expert at some level, but not everybody feels that they're an expert. Not everybody feels that they have a right to have a voice in those conversations. And that's a large part of what I think you were trying to get across to people. Yeah, definitely. I think um, responding to incidents is incredibly high pressure and stressful and intense experience. Um, and it, and it, even in that situation, if you're someone who feels confident enough to speak up, that's still a hard environment to do it in, right? Because of the context that you're working in, some of the concerns you might have as an individual or with your team. Um, so definitely considering in advance how you bring those voices in and recognize that um, not all situations are conducive to everybody wanting to, to speak up. Um, so just being aware of that will naturally make us start to think of other ways to, to engage with, with our teammates and to bring them into the conversation. You mentioned um, a little bit about the way we communicate, also touching on points like um, ensuring that slides um, that, that may be presented kind of talk about um, in different ways about the incident convey information in different fashions, in, in readable fashions that are accessible to people who may have uh, vision issues and things like that. Um, how important is that really um, to, to make sure that we're sharing data that's easily accessible, and maybe only within your organization or even outside of the organization? Because we see a lot of people sharing data about incidents and reports that are not particularly inclusive to the wider industry. Yeah, definitely. It's It's a a really good observation to see what happens when we, we share that information internally and externally. So if we think about it from an internal perspective, um, we mentioned yesterday that people process that information in different ways and we've just become accustomed to doing things in one avenue that we feel works best because it's worked well previously um, and we thought, oh well, we'll just continue it, we've always done it that way and not actually had 
the moment to just pause and reflect and think, actually, is there something we can do with this? Or even being able to get feedback from people about how that information is presented or how it's written down and put into a report. Um, you know, peer reviews of some of the information you might want to share on intelligence is incredibly important from, you know, an accuracy perspective, a content um, uh, review or assessment. But we should be thinking, okay, is this going to be suitable for everyone to consume? Um, are we thinking about, will it reach our audience that we, we want to digest that information? So I think we, we do things that make us better at that, but we're not always aware um, of taking it that step further so that the people we want to to um, to read it or to listen to it or hear it um, are actually able to do that in a way that they, they feel best and most comfortable and that actually supports them. If we look at it from an external perspective, I think, you know, it's really important in our industry to show that we're forward-thinking when it comes to inclusion as well. We're forward-thinking in, in so many other aspects of cyber and very progressive. We consider the future, um, you know, we're reactive and proactive. We have such good mindsets and, and approaches to the threat and how we protect and defend. And we can definitely take it a step further because we're used to doing that. We're used to having to be innovative or creative or think like someone else. You know, we have to think like the adversary all the time. We say it, don't we, to be able to better prepare and defend. So let's think about our reader or think about our colleague and put ourselves, if we can, in someone else's position. I, I've had uh, my own personal experience of trying to communicate security concepts and security issues to a marketing person or to a C-level executive. It's hard because because uh, you've... You've got three slides in this conversation, or and you've got to get across those main points. I think that here, the worst thing you could ever hear in an in a instant response meeting is, I can't read that chart because it's too small, it's the wrong colors, and no, you can't, that's not something you can fix in the middle of it. So your point of having to, to th think forward about these things is, is hugely important. Definitely. And um, I've done a lot of proactive work as a consultant over the last year or so and it would sound cliche for me to say that preparation is the most important aspect but it's true um, and not just to be able to respond to our incident effectively from an organizational team perspective but from an inclusion side as well and that communication aspect is it's so interesting because we love analogies in cyber and that's what we try to promote all the time to convey a message which is really useful and something else that I found um, sort of a good approach when we talk about the topic is let's just think of the problem. What's the problem that somebody else has to deal with or that they face or that they may actually resonate with? Um, and it's just that sort of reading the situation, isn't it? And it's never easy, um, but it just takes that moment of reflection, that awareness and consideration. Really. So how can companies make sure that you know, not only they prepare for this, right, which is, we've heard is very, very important, but also they practice it, right? I mean, often... You know, hopefully, companies are not going through incidents once every couple of weeks, and it's it's often that you know people who are being dragged into the incident are not necessarily uh, going through this on a very very regular basis. So, you know, do we do this through tabletop exercises? Do we do this through you know, training and reminders? What's that process look like to keep these things front of mind? Great question. Um, so the talk yesterday was obviously focused on the incident response perspective. I wanted to make it nice and relevant for our audience. But a lot of the, the work and initiatives I've 
uh, been involved in before have been more from an organisational perspective. And it's definitely that layered approach, um, but it all starts with remembering that the people come first. And it's about getting to know one another and building that, that understanding of each other's circumstances or what they may be interested in. And that doesn't happen overnight. It just takes time. Um, but it's everyone's responsibility. You know, it's your teammate, it's your peer, through to your people manager and your leaders. Just being able to have the conversation and to get to know one another is the perfect foundation and starting point. But when you take it a step further and you think about how consciously you can start to do this and consider what potentially you can put in place, um, there's lots of different ways that you can do it, but certainly start with if your organization has employee resource groups. They're a fantastic source of information and advocates who are part of those initiatives as well, often alongside the day job. And they will want to talk about the work that's happening in their space. They are passionate about it because they joined the group or the network. And, you know, being able to check in with them on a regular basis or ask those in your team who are advocates for, for this work to maybe do a five or ten minute segment on your monthly team meeting just to say, oh, here's a tip or here's something we thought about in inclusion, but this is how you can implement it or consider it in this space. Um, but alongside that, um, there's certainly things that organisations can do when it comes to opening up the conversation to be much more, um, I want to say confidential, but also safe to have that discussion. So actually speaking to say, you know, I would like to hear about this. You can talk to me about this. Um, please educate me. I'll educate you. Mentoring is fantastic, but so is reverse mentoring from an inclusion perspective as well. Just giving people different forums to be able to have the discussion and to do that regularly is what I've seen work particularly well in, in a variety of organizations. Um, and I always say when I speak with different companies or businesses on, on the topic is that in cyber, we know huge you know talent shortage, skills gap, great resignation, um, and inclusion and how people feel in their team and their organization is becoming more and more important and at the forefront of the reasons why people want to be in an organization or don't want to be and i think we have to to be mindful of that and consider how employees and our, our staff our teammates they will hold us to account for what we say we'll do as well as what we do and often it's the former which can be the problem for, for individuals or can be the tipping point that maybe makes someone want to go to an environment which feels much more conducive to inclusion or that they belong as themselves. And that brushes up against another significant point of the beginning of people's careers, of, of bringing that trust in so people want to come into security, bringing the, the diversity into it so that people do feel that yes we want you being part of this we want your expertise you, because even at the beginning of your career you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some sort of expertise yeah completely and um, whilst we know as an industry we've got a long way to go when it comes to representation um, my experience actually since since coming into to this world is that We've got some amazing pockets of, of inclusion and diversity and, and great representation, you know, depending on certain characteristics or groups. 
And actually what I've found and, and what I, I say to, to friends and, and colleagues is that we're organically inclusive, so it's not necessarily being fully intentional, um, but the very nature of our industry and the global footprint and sort of the mindset and ethos of our incident responders means that you know we have people from all walks of life, but we just don't have it enough. Um, but we do have that. Um, so it's now the best sort of setting stone, stepping stone to go, you know, to the next level and actually, you know, showcase that we we have um, diverse individuals, we have inclusion, or it's at least on our agenda, and we're doing something about it. So you know, talking and showcasing is a great way to start. So I guess the the, the final question I have is, what, what haven't we asked? Right, we, we've asked a series of questions. We've seen your presentation; it was a great presentation, but. What's that question that we're not really asking that we should be? What the barrier is to people, you know, investing and talking more about diversity and inclusion. You know, is there something that, that holds people back from the topic um, and the conversation? That's probably the question. So, what's the answer? Well, what, what is holding people back from taking that next step? Is it is it management buy-in? Is it personal interest? Is it time? What, what's what's the, the, the blocker there? So... From my experience, I would say it's people fear the unknown. They don't fear difference. They don't fear diversity. You know, we embrace it. We enjoy it. But it's it's worrying about not getting it right or saying the wrong thing or, um, you know, offending and, and upsetting individuals. Of course, none of us want to do that. Um, but, um, but we fear doing that. We, we worry about that conversation and actually... Um, we need to, to break that barrier down and actually say it's okay to talk about this. And, you know, if person X wants to speak to me about a particular topic and we, you know, establish that's the topic we want to talk about and we'll, you know, guide each other on what we feel is appropriate or what isn't, then that's a great place to start because you just build that awareness and that conversation. We can't say there's a right or a wrong because things are... You know, continuously evolving and developing in this space. We've just got to be alive to um, how people feel, what people's perceptions and experiences may be, and just be sensitive to to those who who we interact with, and then you know, open the conversation essentially. Well, we've been talking to Emma Jones, and thank you very much. It was a very good presentation, and we're very happy to have you on the Thank you for listening to the First Impressions Podcast, and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions Podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.